please stand for the reading of the gospel message. Today's message is from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our strength and our salvation. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Are we listening? Are we listening? Seriously. I tell you, on days like this, there's no good news. I'm called to come here before you and preach the good news. The good news that we all love, the good news that we read on a regular basis, that we cherish, this word of God that brings good news to us. And yet this morning, I barely wanted to come Throughout this week, I have barely wanted to come. I have cried. I have shouted. I have been afraid in this world where we are called to be listening. Where we are called to express the love that God has shown to us through Jesus Christ, through people throughout the world who have enabled themselves because of this good news to then share the good news and be loving to one another. But yet, we are still stuck in this place where we are hateful to one another to the point of killing children in a school. Are we listening? Are we listening? 
And I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I never have been. I don't think I have that in me because we are each the beloved child of God. I see within each of us a nugget of kindness, of the love that we have been created with. And so when we sin, when we hurt one another with our words, with our actions, I still believe that God is working in each one of us to manifest that love from which we were created, for which we were created, even when we forget, even when we hurt each other. Because I have seen people forgive each other. I have seen reconciliation. But I have also worked as a chaplain in fire departments and police departments and seen these tragedies firsthand. And when I heard this happening, all of us are, tend to say, well, it can't happen here. It won't happen here. But there were people, there were parents of those dead children who were people who said it can't happen here. And I know that some of us work in schools. I know that some of us have children and grandchildren. And it breaks my heart. And I'm not coming here today saying that we should do this or that or the other thing because I don't want to start raising people's ire against each other because they call it a political battle or something else. I am here to tell you that God has created us, that Jesus has taught us, and that we have been formed over 2,000 years into people who are meant to love one another. You heard Veronica tell the children's time. You heard Ben read the scripture that said, so that they may be one. Mother Teresa says, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. When we cut off our nose to spite our face, when we say, well, this other church member isn't doing exactly what we think they should do, we are the problem. We are the sin, we are the violence that eventually erupts to this place that shoots up a church, shoots up a grocery store, shoots up a school. Are we listening? We have psalms. We have stories in the Bible of terrible things happening to people over the ages. We have psalms of lament. We have times when we say this terrible thing is happening to me. Oh God, why have you forsaken me? Oh God, won't you come and help me? We lament when terrible things happen. There is good news. And that's the only reason I can keep getting up every day. Because there is good news. Because there is hope. Because I know love wins. Because I know that in each one of you, there is a place that can love, that can forgive, that can reconcile. I've posted on my Facebook this week a, a really wonderful thing that came from someone else, but the gist of my sentiment in posting that thing, which was something like, if every child had someone to love them, it would be such a good world. And so this shooter in Uvalde and this shooter in Buffalo 
and these shooters and these people, no matter where they are, when they have gotten to the point of desperation, where they are walking into a school, if one person had shown them kindness, even though they were messed up, even though they were angry or did something wrong, if someone forgave them and loved them, I think that that would make a difference. And I think that comes down to us. I think that we are the ones who have a responsibility to change this now. And I'm not going to go into all kinds of plans and details about the things that I've seen politicians talking about that in some cases I agree with and in some cases are valid because I think it's different than that. And I really do think it comes down to our faith. It comes down to our actions. There are people out there this week who are saying thoughts and prayers aren't enough anymore. And they're not. They're not when they're not followed up with action. They must be followed up with action. If you say, oh, I'm praying for these poor people, when you see these heart-wrenching stories, and then you turn around and you snipe at a family member, a fellow church member, somebody in traffic, you have failed. But I still have hope in you, because I know that you are God's beloved child. And you have the capacity to love one another. I wonder if any one of you has seen the new hymn for hurting that Amanda Gorman, the one who wrote the inaugural poem for Obama's, or was it Biden's? Biden's time. I hope you have, but if you haven't, here it is. Everything hurts. Our hearts shadowed and strange Minds made muddled and mute. We carry tragedy terrifying and true, and yet none of it is new. We knew it as home, as horror, as heritage. Even our children cannot be children, cannot be. Everything hurts. It's a hard time to be alive, and even harder to stay that way. We're burdened to live out these days, while at the same time blessed to outlive them. This alarm is how we know we must be altered, that we must differ or die, that we must triumph or try. Thus, while hate cannot be terminated, it can be transformed into a love that lets us live. May we not just grieve, but give. May we not just ache, but act. May our signed right to bear arms never blind our sight from shared harm. May we choose our children over chaos. May another innocent never be lost. Maybe everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange. Maybe only when everything hurts may everything change. In the version of the scripture that Ben has just read for us that comes from the equality priests in what's called the inclusive Bible, 
There's a line that says, I will continue to reveal it. This is that particular translation of the interpretation of Jesus' words, so that they may be one. May they know the love that you have shown to me, God, the love that you have shown to me and I have shown to them, may they know that love. And God says through Jesus, I will continue to reveal it. That is why I hope. That is why I continue to listen. That is why I continue to get up each morning and share as much love as I possibly can. And there are opportunities. Maybe in your household somebody leaves a sock on the floor or a toothbrush cap, toothpaste cap off. Maybe there's an opportunity to express love. Maybe it's something else I don't know anything about. For me this morning, it was sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts line bringing coffee to my son and husband who are working a yard sale right now in preparation for our move. All I wanted to do was get them a little iced tea. And the line lasted on and on and on. By the time I got up there, it turned out that their computers had frozen and they were turning people away. And this young man, probably in his early 20s, who was standing there, terrified to give another customer this news, because these people who had not had their coffee were very enraged, I just said, I am so sorry. I hope your day continues. That was not thoughts and prayers, although I was thinking and I was praying. That was action. I tell you, probably by this afternoon, I will have forgotten that interaction, and maybe he will too. But that small kindness made a difference. Those small kindnesses can make a difference. And you have opportunities every day to share them. You see, it's not us and them. It's not Democrats and Republicans. It wasn't Jews or Greeks in Paul's time. It's not male or female or transgender or any other binary that we can think of. It's not us against the world. So that they may be one is God's plan for this world. Not that we can't be unique and individuals and the wonderful people that we are sharing our amazing gifts to make wonderful things happen. That's when the Holy Spirit, which is coming next week, I won't... Uh, give you too much of a spoiler. <laughs> you all know the story. This happens every year. You know what happens. I mean, Jesus, if Jesus were to have spent eight hours a day, seven days a week with his disciples over those three years of his adult ministry, that would have been more than 8,700 hours. And you know they still didn't get it. We just went through a season where we remembered that Judas betrayed Jesus the Son of God. Peter denied Jesus, the Son of God. They didn't get it. And they had spent 8,764 hours with him. We probably haven't spent 8,764 hours in our prayer and devotional lives. We don't have it all together. 
We all make mistakes every day. And right now, we're in a dangerous time, an anxious time. All of us have things. You've seen me show that video from the Cleveland Clinic that says everybody's going through something that you don't know what they're going through. You might have remembered those movies, those pictures of somebody just found out a wife has asked for a divorce, somebody just got a cancer diagnosis, somebody just got some good news, a wife is pregnant. Somebody just found out their cancer is in remission. We don't know all of each other's secrets. What we do know right now is that COVID has made us all anxious. The pressures of this time, not just the disease, the pressures of the change of this time have been almost impossible to deal with. And when you pile that on top of everything that's already going on, and certain people infect us with their anxiety, even if we're doing okay, and then, you know, just we're all bubbling, boiling piles of anxiety. And it's so easy to snap. And so when you have those moments when you can be in prayer, whatever that means to you, if that means praying a beloved prayer that you memorized as a youth, if that means singing a particular hymn, if that means reading a particular scripture, if that just means sitting in silence in your backyard, listening to the robins, do that. Apply that balm to that anxiety, to that rough and festering place that would otherwise turn into something that would spike someone else, that would spike someone else, that would spike someone else, and ends up with a kid walking into an elementary school and shooting 19 children dead. There's no excuse for it. But you know, there are people who don't yet understand that idea that it's not binary, that it's not political, and they think, well, the solution to this thing is to attack the other guy. I watched that in the news, you probably did too, of the governor who got called out and responded by blaming the police, by blaming the other guy. That is so often the case. Oh, well, it wasn't me, it was them. But the reality is that even though it wasn't you, you did have an opportunity to heal that. In every single situation, there's something you could have done. Maybe it was be silent, maybe it was to express kindness, maybe it was to express kindness after the fact. But you have an opportunity in every contentious situation to bring peace to it. I watched that this week in another situation not in the church, it was out in the community, where something really terrible happened. And there was an opportunity for the administrator of that organization to get really upset about it. In fact, it, it was perfectly normal to expect that she had gotten really upset about it. And that has nothing to do with here, nothing anywhere near here, it's something out beyond. And the thing is that when I was talking to someone about that, someone who was seriously affected by it and had every right to get really upset in return, that person 
said, wow, I bet that's hard. So he wasn't even talking to her. So when I say you could have done a kindness, you could have done some small thing, sometimes it's somewhere else. It's in your communication with somebody else because when that person said to me that he understood her situation, there was healing. You might not have heard this word. It's one of my favorite words, zeitgeist. It's the atmosphere, right? It's the, it's the collective time in which we live, you know, the things that are going on. In the zeitgeist, where people are stressed out and anxious and ready to snap, even if he didn't say it to her, he said it to me. He acted to her. There are places in every corner of our lives where we can express the love of God that Jesus taught, that we are taught to manifest every day, with every breath we take. This whole idea about being one is one that I found a great example for this week. It was a person who was at the optometrist, and the optometrist was measuring the person's ability to see colors, and the optometrist said, the thing about biology is that nature doesn't really do binaries. It's not black and white and yes and no and Jew and Greek and all of those other binaries that we think that life is. It's a spectrum. And we hear about that when we're talking about LGBTQ. We hear about that in many areas of our lives, but this person was making that assertion that it's not just there. It's everywhere. It's not just alive and dead. There's all of these things. There's growth going on. That growth can be taking place in us too. It's not a binary. It's a spectrum. One of the other things I want to leave with you today is that in leadership training, one of the things that we talk about is technical change versus adaptive change. And I've told you a couple of times today that I'm not going to tell you what the solution is. I don't know the solution, let's be honest. But I'm not going to tell you what I think the solution is based on what I've heard or anything else. Because that would be a technical change. My husband's a technical change guy. He says, something's broken, we get a tool, we fix it. Right? So often when we see something that's wrong, this person was mean to that person and, well, let's fix this place. You know, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. But it's not a technical change that was required. And I'm the adaptive change person in my house. I'm the person that says, let's change the atmosphere. Let's change the zeitgeist. Let's think about what's going on so that it doesn't happen again. Not just fixing something, but fixing, thinking about our attitudes, adaptive change. Understanding that even though I loved whatever is broken now and he's trying to fix, it's not the thing. It's the sentiment behind the thing. It's the culture. And you've heard me preaching for the last several weeks on this idea of kindness, cultivating kindness. Heck, a couple of weeks ago, I went through a parenting magazine and I gave you lots of tips from that about kindness. We need to create a culture of kindness in our families, 
in our church, in our society, so that these shootings don't happen. Don't even think about the guns or the mental health issues so that we are kind enough to one another that that never occurs to anybody to shoot up someplace like that. We need to create a culture of kindness where the first words out of our mouths are not judgment, where they are love and encouragement. And the last words out of our mouths are love and encouragement. Even with all the other work before us, the most important thing we can do as Christians is to know and believe and proclaim that our current reality is not all there is. A vision of God's realm has to be totally alive to us so that we can get to the other side of this shock and be on our way to God's way. Because we are people of hope. We are Christians because we know that love wins. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.